The sermon today, as I already sent you the passage, is from First First Kings, chapter twelve, twenty-six to thirty-two. But in order to understand what we are going to talk about, you actually need to read the whole of First Kings eleven sixteen to chapter fourteen, verse twenty. If not, the entire First and Second Kings of the book. Uh, of kings that is where we find this story about jeroboam you know the concept of tweaking um the concept of tweaking as i understand it is it is now we all do that it, but it is not just customizing when you buy a new phone you you try to tweak it in the sense you probably customize it customize in the sense you change that ring ring tones you change the cover you change the way it looks the home screen the lock screen the sound and your favorite apps on the home screen and all that way that is customizing but tweaking is little playing with it and change it this way that way and all that so that not only for many things it it we can we, we are comfortable with you know so that it suits our convenience and it is comfortable so we make adjustments to that that is what tweaking is tweaking and jeroboam is a one someone who tweaked the faith i don't want to say distorted the faith um because distortion is different so that's why i am carefully choosing this word tweaking tweaking is twisting turning and is pulling things in such a way that it fits our expectation and our convenience with that vague and uh, un what you can say uh, insufficient the definition of the concept i will move forward jeroboam was a servant of king solomon if you know the story if you read first kings 11 16 26 to 14 verse 20 we'll know the people who are with me for the bible study knows this so for the sake of others i need to repeat a little bit remind something Jeroboam was a man who was uh, who was in charge of the forced labor of Solomon in one particular area and that means he was supervising the building projects and uh, the corvey of Solomon's labor but this building projects buildings after buildings after building Solomon was so busy building he built the palace he built the temple he built uh, temples for his wives and then palaces here and there and summer houses and all that but he was oppressing the people exciting their labor paying them less but making them work so jeroboam was very uncomfortable with this 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 exploitation because just for the king's pleasure you have to employ people they are not allowed to go back to their farms they have nothing to eat or less to eat and more to give and this is like a new slavery so jeroboam was a trade union leader in a sense in modern terms he organized some revolt against solomon he organized the laborers against solomon and solomon wanted to kill him so what he did is he ran away he went into self exile he fled to egypt and lived there until solomon died but 
Later, when Solomon died and when his son Rehoboam took over, Jeroboam returned or he was brought back and he challenged Rehoboam. The only thing he was that he says, reduce the labor, reduce the exploitation. So he represented as a trade union leader, he represented the 10 tribes and the laborers there who had to serve the king forcefully, forcibly serving the king. But Rehoboam denied. He, he used a very indecent language. And, uh, but at that moment, the 10 tribes from the north whom Jeroboam represented, they revolted against Rehoboam and the kingdom was split into 10 tribes in the north and two tribes who still held on to Rehoboam, son, son of Solomon. So Jeroboam was a trade union leader who became a leader of a mass movement, then became the founder of the Northern Kingdom of Israel, which lasted another 200 years up to 721. The whole thing start, uh, began, the revolt happened in 922 BC. But he is known for fiddling with the Israelite faith. He fiddled with it. And that is considered as a sin. And if you have read Bible at least once, especially the book of Kings, both book of Kings, one and two, you will come across this phrase again and again and again repeatedly. I thought of counting it, but then I gave up. The sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. This expression will come in the story of the Northern Israelite kings. The sins, he walked in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. It comes again and again and again. The Bible writer, the writer of the Bible, the first and second Kings and Chronicles, kept on reminding the people of Israel, this is the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Because he was so famous for that, in the sense, he was not famous, he was, he's, uh, that is what, uh, that is how people remembered him. What was his, what was the problem with Jeroboam? What did, how did he tweak the religion? It was not a total rejection of Israelite faith, but it was simply making some adjustments. First of all, in maybe in the first year itself, he installed two golden golden calves, one in north, Dan, and one in south, and said, this is Yahweh. And he built two sanctuaries so to, in order to make, uh, make it convenient for people. And he said, priesthood should be democratic. He was very democratic in priesthood. So he said, whoever want to come to pre priesthood, you can come and serve the Lord. So he made slight arrangements here and there. He made some twisting here and there with the Israelite faith. And that's what the sin of Jeroboam, son of Nebat is. Fiddling with faith, tweaking faith. What is once entrusted for us, to us, that is what Jude says. The faith that is once entrusted to us you play with that faith. We play with that treasure so that it suits 
our convenience and immediate needs. Now, why did he tweak? Basically, because misplaced trust, or I would call it insecurity. Just that, nothing else. He felt very insecure. In 12.26, the passage that we read today, and Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. The kingdom is divided. There are two kings here. There are two nations here. Our friends from uh, Korea knows how after the Korean War, Korea was divided into north and south. People from Sudan knows that. And why we should go there? We also know how our nation was divided into three pieces once. Now that's a very difficult thing. But every, every nation has to, every king has a responsibility to make sure that once it is divided, it remains divided. You know, the pain that people in the borders of between Pakistan and India goes through or people in Bengal go through because they have relatives on the other side. But the kings don't want that. It's the same problem. So he was very intelligent. He had the human wisdom. He don't want people to go back to the southern kingdom. And verse 27 says, if these people go back to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, if they go back for every year a pilgrimage, then the heart of these people will turn against to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So he said, if they allow them to travel to their sanctuary in Jerusalem, then they will become loyal to Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. So in order to protect his interest, in order to protect his own life, in order to protect his kingdom, and also his dynasty, he thought I should do something. That is why he built two sanctuaries, one in Dan and one in Bethel. So people who can conveniently go to two temples and worship a golden calf and call it Yahweh who brought them out of Israel, Egypt, and all that they can do. So his kingdom will be secure. It was personal insecurity, a sense of personal insecurity and fear that made him tweak the faith that is entrusted to him. Look at the people. Why? Why do people feel insecure? So that they fiddle with their faith. The faith they have now, after 10 years or 20 years of Christian life, is not what they had 20 or 10, uh, 10 years before when they started the journey. Why did they make adjustments and why did they customize their faith? First of all, they prioritized their political ambitions or their self-interest or trust in God. That is why we tweak. That is why people tweak with their faith, fiddle with their faith. Because they prioritize their ambitions instead over trusting in God. They fail to understand or they underestimate the will of God. In the case of Jeroboam, he had a political interest to protect. He has become the king. 
and he's leading 10 tribes now the majority is with him lot of resources human resources lot of natural resources and all that he has to keep it and pass it over to his son and then to his son grandson so he has in order to do that he has to make sure that they don't develop any loyalty to any other nation especially judah but this is also because they under he understood underestimated i should say the will of god god had a plan for him god had a plan for that kingdom it was not an accident two prophets assured him it is not just an intelligent assumption it is not a political reasoning god spoke to him jeroboam very clearly through his prophets that what has happened is god's will okay let me tell you the story again when jerus when solomon tried to kill jeroboam for revolting or planning a trade union strike against him solomon tried to kill him so jeroboam was fleeing running uh, looking for cover he was going to egypt so a man called ahijah a man of god a prophet met him on the way and this man appeared from nowhere and confronted jeroboam who was running for his life you will find that in first kings chapter 11 before this chapter chapter sorry verses 26 to 40 ahijah comes wearing a new cloth a new outer robe a, a you can say a coat or a suit and he comes meets jeroboam who is running away fearful to protect his life away from the wrath of solomon he comes and says now stop god has rejected solomon or kingdom the kingdom of solomon so he took his coat tore it into the new coat into 12 pieces and gave 10 to jeroboam as a sign as a acted parable and gave him and said the lord has torn the kingdom from solomon and he is giving you 10 tribes and the two will be under the davidic kingdom and he instigated each other man of god spoke to him what god has planned for him you are going to be the king of the 12 uh, tribes and moreover in that in that confrontation in that course of that conversation in verse 38 chapter 1 kings 11 38 not only that he repeated what god had promised to david god had promised david a dynasty sons and sons who will sit in his throne god has di- uh, uh, protection and all that and what god promised to him through nathan the prophet in first Sam- second samuel chapter 7 ahijah repeats exactly almost exactly to jeroboam and assures him this is god's plan this is not a mistake this trade union strike or rebellion and you are running away from it but don't be afraid go but 
you are going to have the dominion over 12, 10 tribes. And 1 Kings 11, 36, 38, I think. And if you listen to all that I command you, God says, through Ahijah, and will walk in my ways, that's an important con uh, condition, and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David, my servant, did, I will be with you. And you will build, I will build you a house. House simply means dynasty. As I built for David, I will give Israel to you. That is the promise. God promised that just as I blessed David with a dynasty and with, uh, with, uh, uh, with, uh, with power, and I will give Israel to you. Probably meant the 12 tribes. We don't know. But when Jeroboam started his career, even before he started his career, he had the tremendous support of the prophetic word, the will of God. When wife here? Then, after a few years, when the kingdom was really um, divided, when he became the king of the ten tribes, or when they uh, elected him or chose him uh, or accepted him as the king of the uh, ten tribes up north, king of Judah, the southern kingdom, gathered 18,000 soldiers and went, planned to go against his kingdom. And within 24 hours, 18,000 people, people, would have just marched over to Shechem and completely defeated an unorganized place, a, a kingdom which has no standing army, no defense. This is just born. Something that happened to the, the, the Palestinian territories in 1948. It didn't last for 24 hours. They just, it was just uh, vaporized. Similarly, that would have happened. Jeroboam kingdom would have been completely wiped out by the Judean army under the leadership of Rehoboam. You know what happened? God protected him. In 1 Kings 12, just above this 12 verse 26, there appears a prophet called Shemaiah. Shemaiah went to Rehoboam. When Rehoboam was ready, they're ready to give, the, the, the army is waiting for the marching orders to walk or to go north and defeat Jeroboam in the battle, maybe kill him and destroy them and reunify. When 18,000 soldiers were ready, God sends a man, a prophet called Shemaiah. And Shemaiah says in 1 Kings 12, 24, this is what the Lord says, do not fight against your relatives. They are your brothers and sisters anyway, isn't it? The sons of Abraham, the Israelites. Go back home for what has happened. That's a division of these two nations. And Jeroboam becoming the king of the ten tribes is my doing. God says, this is my plan. So don't plan, fight against my plan. So they obeyed the message of the Lord and went home as the Lord had commanded. So all these 18,000 people 
their commanders and uh, whatever it is, uh, foot soldiers, cavalry or whatever it is, they all went back home because they obeyed the Lord. That was God's will. One night or one within one few hours, Jeroboam's kingdom would have been completely wiped out. But Jeroboam knew, knew this. God has spoken through, God, through his prophets. So that is the will of God. So when you are right in the will of God, this is the funny side of it. When Jeroboam is right in the will of God and the purposes of God, why should you feel insecure? That's what he did. He said, the people will go south every year and then they will develop a loyalty to the, Judah, the king, king of Judah and one day they will become more loyal to them and then they will kill me. My kingdom will be lost. But your kingdom will not be lost. Because that's the word of God. So why do we people tweak their faith? Why do they fiddle with it? Because they have a people have terrific insecurity. Terrific insecurity. They feel that they have to add something to the plan of God. But trust it. You know, like Usa did. Us See, the Ark of the Covenant had returned from the Philistine territory. They had to send it because they found it is very powerful. You know, it's damaging their temples. It is damaging, killing people who looked into it. And when they were coming on the way, Usa tried to help. And God killed him on the, on the spot. Because any help, we think that sometimes we are very patronizing people. Patronizing is okay, but patronizing God is not bad. Good. Trying to think that God need our help to keep things in place, to make his will happen. That is because God may need, that is basically discounting God's help, God's power. Why do people tweak their faith? The second reason is that they ignore God's warnings. The warnings of God. When Jeroboam went out of God's way and he was trying to offer a sacrifice in Bethel in the next chapter, God sends a man of God whose name is not at all mentioned in the Bible. And he, he knew God sent a man to warn him and chapter 13, 1 Kings chapter 13, verses 1 to 8, 1 to 10. And Jeroboam was standing by the altar, ready to sacrifice. And he, this man came and prophesied against that altar. You read it at home. A powerful prophecy. And Jeroboam stretched out his hand to catch him. You know the rest of the story. If you don't know, you read the Bible. And, you know, the man of then there was a lot of things happened. The, the, um, the altar was split and things like that. I'm not going to die. But God gave him enough warning. Still, he ignored the warnings of God and he continued in his way. This is why people tweak. 
when you ignore the when we ignore the warnings of god we become insecure we need to adjust the faith to suit our taste and our needs god continuously speak to to us last week those who are doing the bible study in the book of amos that is the main thrust of the book of amos we saw god has been speaking god has been warning them repeatedly warning them god has been giving warnings after warnings after warnings and the book of amos says now the the patience of god has run out now god is going to strike you see book of amos chapter 8 we saw the three visions the vision of locus amos prayed and god awarded there is another vision the vision of the fire god was planning to send a fire devastating fire but amos interceded and that was awarded now god is going to act he's a plumb line and he is going to knock the wall down knock the t- uh, ten tribes the nation down because they are not straight according they are not righteous before god he going to strike them down and that means god has said god has said patience now jeroboam kept on he ignored the will of god and he ignored the purposes for which he is god has appointed him and he ignored the warnings how many times and how many times the lord has spoken to us through your daily devotion reading the bible the songs that god's men and women sang the sermons preached from the pulpit where you attended the church this church or any other church the warnings came god's counsel came people people chose to ignore it and found themselves in trouble and when that happens they try to adjust their faith readjust their faith there are various ways we do the third reason why people choose to tweak with the faith once entrusted to them is a tendency for a regressive spirituality we should grow in our faith that is what god's plan is progress in our faith like that old book classic pilgrim's progress the title itself says it says incremental progress in our christian faith but here jeroboam's faith spiritually was instead of being progressive it was regressive it retraced they have made big big leaps of faith they were in egypt the history of israel then what is whom did they worship they did know whom they worship and moses comes to them with the help of aaron and calls them yahweh has appeared to me the god of the fathers has appeared is not saying your god has appeared because they have forgotten their god god of your fathers appeared to me in the wilderness and come let's go to freedom to new promise and he calls them god appears to them in mount horeb god leads them 40 years in the wilderness then they enter canaan so and they uh, overcome their enemies and they take possession and they have a temple now 
and they have a kingdom now and they are a big powerful nation rather powerful nation but instead of moving forward in their faith jeroboam is taking them back you know the story in the mount horeb when moses went up the mount horeb it is exodus chapter 19 and he was having a good time with god the people are waiting and waiting and waiting he said why moses is not coming down and when moses is not coming down so they said okay aaron do one thing we came to see god moses said he is going to meet god but now we saw the thunder and we saw the lightning and we saw the smoking and all that smoke and all that but where is god so let's do one thing we need to worship no let's we have to worship somehow so why don't you make a golden calf for us so they made a golden calf and they started worshiping and there was tremendous worship amazing worship and so moses could hear the worship in the, on the top of the mountain then when he can what is going on down here so they have this golden calf and they are all dancing around they have sacrificed the women and the men had given all their ornaments so that it can be melted into and uh, in a molten image could be made and all that sacrifice they lost a lot of money but they were very happy and now after many centuries at least 500 or 600 years after that event jeroboam is taking people back to the golden the golden calf god rejected god punished them so many people were killed for that sin god, then jeroboam after 500 to 600 5 or 6 centuries later he invents reinvents something in israel's history was a abomination which is god rejected it is returning to the foot of the horeb mountain of horeb many times i have seen this in many believers lives they come with zeal and there's a personal revival and after some times when things doesn't happen the way they plan think or when they want they try to return to other places i made a story this story um sometime back not in this church some other church that i ministered some years back we had a lady very sweet lady regular in the bible uh, in the church very punctual very loving very caring and she loved the lord definitely then came tsunami tsunami didn't affect her in any way this is not the story is very important how god reveals things you now sometimes people have asked me um, when i ask them things which they were hiding you know that's normal and they say how do you know so i ask them do you did this happen in your life so they ask me how do you know they said whatever i know need to know about my sheep god reveals to me nothing else i have no spice here i have no spice that even that close circuit camera is not working be confident we let to replace it i'm not spying on anyone but in prayer let me be very frank and uh, no no pride or uh, no boasting when i pray for many of my people all of people i pray for everyone 
God tells me this is exactly their problem. And I need to verify it. I won't go around. I won't tell even my wife. But in my prayer, I, I specifically, God says, pray for that. And somehow, God reveals it to me. Sometimes, in many cases, I had to, re, re, I had to go and actually verify with them. Is this, do I think this is what is going on in your life? Is that true? Or they ask, why do you know? How do you know? So they want to know who is telling pastor, whose pastor's eyes, eyes and ears here. No eyes, no ears here. Similarly, sometimes God will rip our life off and whatever we are trying to hide. That is what happened in this, in this lady's life. So, though she came from a Catholic church and before her conversion, she was very much immersed in that novenas and uh, pilgrims and praying to this and that and all that. And she realized it's not good. It's not right. She became a believer. But after a while, she was also secretly following that. Like Jeroboam did. Jeroboam was more courageous and bold. He was out. She said, okay, play. But this lady was adjusting both in a very tight balance, tight walk. When tsunami came, how did tsunami reveal it? She and her friend was on a pilgrimage to uh, our lady of perpetual help in Velangani. Uh, yeah, they went on a trip, but which she was doing many times. And on their way, about to reach Velangani shrine, they saw a huge crowd running towards them. So they stopped their car and they drove back with the crowd. You know what happened? Tsunami struck the Velangani Shrine. And the people, when the tsunami struck the Velangani Shrine, they all running back. So maybe a few kilometers before that particular point of the point of crash or whatever it is, she got warning. And the following Sunday, she came to church and gave a testimony. How God protected her life and the life of her people. That is how the God revealed to the pastor that there is somebody who has a golden calf in the pocket. See, it's regressive. Or boldly go back. I thank God. I many times have thanked God who has left believers' churches and gone back to their old churches or religions. You know why? That's one way every house should have some outlet for impurity to go. If you don't let impurity go, or as Paul says, the bitter root, the bitter root will devastate the entire thing. It's like the fly in the, what is that called, oilment maker's house. It falls in the oilment, it spoils the whole thing. So here, the call of God is that, see, a regressive spiritually, once you have tasted God, once you have tasted the salvation and tasting something else which is lesser than that is the most gravest sin. Tweaking it. So put pocket in pocket one and the another pocket you have a Gideon's Bible. You can't work that. 
We will have that. That is why many people prefer to have two gods. One, the older spirituality and the new one. The other spirituality in the new one. Some people have three. One in the back also. <laughs> Jeroboam was someone who did it in open. This is called a regressive spirituality. Instead of growing, you walk back. A person that is called somnambulist, that is there walking backward in the, in the dream. Christian faith is not. Christian faith is not a somnambulism. That is, you walk in the sleep. You know, people who get up in the uh, night, some people have that problem. They get up at night and they walk in their sleep. They're sleeping, but they're walking. They don't realize that. That's a sickness, a mental disorder, a mental condition, a psychological condition. The third thing why people tweak is this. For them, convenience matters more than the commandments. The Lord has commanded. Lord has given us some commandments to follow. But they think that their convenience, their comfort is much more important than following God and his commandments. God had very clearly commanded that the worship of God must be in Jerusalem. Go through the book of Deuteronomy. At least 16 times, very clearly, the book of Deuteronomy says, you should worship in the place which your Lord has chosen, which is Jerusalem. That is, this book was written before Jerusalem was, uh, the temple was built there. It is said that it should be in Jerusalem. The worship of the Lord cannot be split into three places. Jerusalem, Dan, and Bethel. You cannot divide God into three pieces. You know, there are some relics that people pass around. You know, it is, you know, I have seen relics. So, in um, when I visited a city in a neighboring country, I don't want to mention the name, or the country nor the religion, and there's a big temple. And I said, what is in this temple? There's a relic of this particular uh, person, God, divine. It is basically a tooth. A tooth. They got a tooth of that great man. So they are built a big, huge temple around that relic, holy relic. And in some places, there's only a finger. They have built a temple. So that you, but if the, Christ, the God of the Bible cannot be divided into pieces. And people cannot. We found a, a, a saint in Goa, you know, and that is transported to some other place. Um, because our government has allowed them to take it around. Now, what I'm saying is this, is, this is a regressive spirituality. So what he did is, where God said, this Jerusalem and the temple here is my dwelling place on earth. Jeroboam thought, no, we have to divide it into three. And he divided it into two. God had appointed Aaron and his sons as priests forever. But Jeroboam thought, no, that's not very convenient. Because these priests are loyal to the sanctuary in Jerusalem. And we need two sanctuaries, we need more people. You know, when you have two, one, it is very difficult to find people. The Levites to serve in the sanctuary. When we have two, Hosea said, whoever want to have a, come for a week's course on priesthood 
know, something like that. He said, anyone can join. Doesn't matter whether you are a Levite, whether you are descended from Aaron or that, doesn't matter. We need a service going on here. So anyone can join. That's typical commentary of what is going on now. There are a lot of pastors going around. I say, what are you doing? I'm doing pastoring. I asked somebody, I met a friend after a long time in Jodi restaurant and he, I didn't recognize him. So he called me and I went and sat in his table. I said, what are you doing now? So he said, I'm a pastor. Oh, wow, praise God. But I'm also doing a little bit of real estate also. Oh, good. Well, well. And then I also have some business with that. So, but actually I know him because I mentored him. He was part of my cell group as a young man. And he grew up there. And then after a while, I'm seeing him now. So he's, what is the Pastor, real estate, taxi, and what else? All folded into one. So what about the call of God? Are you called? I didn't ask him. If I ask that difficult question, that the Idli Zambar, he was stuck in his death, stuck in his throat. So I was concerned about his health. So I didn't ask him that. See, did you set out the, this is a question that I asked many pastors. Did you set out to this because God called you? Is there a call of God on you? Or did you, did you choose? Okay, see one thing, everyone who is in this and a considerable number of you are, have decided to be a pastors or ministers to serve God. I'm just giving a very uh, a loving advice. That is in God's ministry, there is only conscription, no volunteers. You know what I mean? Unless God calls us and entrusts us, we can't do his ministry. His ministry is not done by people who say, this seems to be a good attractive thing. I will also join you. No, it is not for volunteers. No prophet volunteered. Amos, he said, I'm not volunteering for this. I say I had to be called. Jeremiah had to be forced. Ezekiel, Moses had to be compelled. Nobody who knows the seriousness of this job will ever volunteer. Who knows the responsibility? Who knows fully that he or she is putting her life or his life on the line for the Lord should not be here. But Jeroboam did exactly that. He said, probably he said, I will give you a higher salary than what Rahabawam is giving. Your perks, your allowances, there will be insurance and there will be maybe accident insurance as well. You know, all sort of things. Convenience, then commandments. He duplicated the festivals. He made his own festivals. I think we should have one more festival now. And he duplicated when the festival is happening there in Judah, people should not go there. So I will have a festival here too. And the word of God summarizes everything. In 30, verse 33, it says, he went up to the altar he had made in Bethel in the 15th day of the eighth month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. That's very important. The month that he had Device. You read the rest of the Bible, especially Deuteronomy and all that. 
the month and the date and the time was given by god in that particular month on the first week in the first day you should do this but now he is doing in his own time and he instituted a feast for the temple people of israel and went up to the altar to make offerings following his own heart sometimes this is how tweaking comes <clears throat> there are some small tweaking serious tweaking dangerous tweaking as well and some people think that it's okay to if you miss one or two sundays it's okay you can make it up by a youtube video you know today sunday morning i should be in the church with other brothers and sisters and i should be worshiping the lord that's okay today i will go for a show film and then i will be back by 12:30 and lunch in some other place and then afternoon maybe after a good sleep i will watch video the youtube for 3 to 5 so it makes up just week now there are many 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 such things that we do because our convenience is more important for us than god's commandments i asked a old lady once in this church but she is no more part of this church and she is too old as well but i am in very much touch with her still <clears throat> and um, i visit her sometimes and uh, i said i i missed you in the church when she was healthy enough to travel she said pastor i have church at home oh, said, you have church at home what i turned that god tv on and when you guys worship there i am also having worship there i said she and her tv that's it tweak it but what does the word of god say that do not disregard the gathering together hebrews the book of hebrews says very clearly the gathering has a power gathering is see i can worship at home you know what i what happens when i worship at home i do have prayers i pray i worship the lord i do all that but in between the worship i am tempted to go to the coffee machine and take some coffee i take small breaks but i can't do that here because of you you are helping me in my spirituality this gathering this fellowship your presence and the presence of god that we have together that is why a collective worship gathering together is important when i am distracted steves clap reminds me you are in the church or somebody praising god reminds me what i have ignored all these days that's why we are worshiping together there are commandments there are there are there are things that have been followed because god had spoken you can't water it down you can't adjust it there is smartphones there are smart doors there are smart houses there are smart cities there is that nothing called the smart spirituality though all these smart devices may help us in our spirituality there is nothing called a smart spirituality automatic artificial intelligence <laughs> it won't work that's where tweaking is dangerous let me end the whole sermon with this what happened at the end the end actually 
justifies whether the course is right or wrong. Throughout Jeroboam's life and the life of the kings of Israel who followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, God had warned them. God continued to warn them. The sin of northern Israel started with Jeroboam and it was perpetuated through not only his descendant, only one descendant, and the other kings who followed them until. So the whole, it led to huge devastation. Now, just a minute ago, I read to you Ahijah, the promise of God to him through Ahijah. God promised him a dynasty, kings after him, his children and children after children. Know what the story is? Read the rest of the Bible. His son died. That's what happened. A disaster. And a son, another son succeeded him called Nada. He was assassinated in a coup. And after that, the dynasty of Jeroboam did not last. Jeroboam too, in the Bible we read about another he was not his son, but somebody from another house who took his name. His dynasty was wiped out, though God had promised him. God had said, if you walk in my ways, he did not do that. He never had a permanent capital. When he was made a king, he went to Shechem and he dwelt there. And then the Bible says, Within a few months, he had to move his capital to another city called Penuel. And the Bible says, at the time of his death, he was living in Tursa, another city. So he was actually fugitive. Fear, maybe fear, the reason is not given. He was moving from one place to another. They go and buy a big palacious. Some people are doing that. They go and buy a big palacious house. And they're saying that there is a host, sorry, not a host, a ghost there, then they sell it out and give another one. And then they say there is, the neighbors are not very good, so they're going to buy another one. Because they never acted on the promises of God. Not only that, people will keep on changing jobs. Keep, people keep on changing this and that. You know why? Because they never heard God. In the first instance itself, nothing is will be stable. When we move away from God, that is the anger that we have. When we leave the anger, we may go anywhere in any direction. Stability is lost. And security. The kingdom of the northern Israel is a history of coups and bloodshed. Bloodshed after bloodshed. You read the rest of them. And finally, the Bible says, 200 years after Assyrians came and destroyed the city, the fourth capital then, and rather a more permanent capital called Samaria. And the Bible says, it is because of the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that Samaria 
was completely destroyed, never to be built after that. If anyone visits old Samaria, he is to dig archaeological excavations. He has no value. Once a fortified city, once a formidable city, once the powerful capital of northern Israel, the ten tribes, the majority is destroyed completely. Why? The sin of Jeroboam. The sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And what was his sin? In modern terms, tweaking with faith. He did not leave Yahweh. He was Yahweh throughout. He was not rejecting Yahweh. But he thought Yahweh's faith, the faith in the Lord, need a little bit of improvement. Why improve it a little bit here and there? Why tweak it here and there? So that my kingdom will be secure. My power will be secure. That's why I need to tweak it. That is a disaster. Let's examine ourselves. Our own integrity. Our own integrity in following the Lord. Do you believe that God is sufficient for you and for me? If I direct that question to myself, do you think that what I know of God is sufficient and I need to add more of God or what? Or should I add more of what? God, the world. Should I follow the heavenly wisdom, the wisdom of the creator of this universe or should I help modify it, improve it by adding a little bit of my wisdom? That question is the question that every one of us have to answer. But tweaking, I tell you, could be very, very dangerous. Long time back, I had a phone. And I thought that phone, I don't remember which model it is. It was an Android, I think. Yes, it was an Android. And uh, I thought this operating system is not sufficient. Then I saw on the internet somebody offering another operating system, an improved operating system, you know? And so I put that, I installed that. And the phone was fast, it was amazing performance. But the problem is, it was not developed by a licensed phone. It was developed by somebody who lived in Calcutta, a 16-year-old guy. Then finally, after a few months, maybe his mom said it is time for the IIT entrance exam. So he, she might have taken the phone from him and he didn't update. There was a lot of glitches and my phone, 32,000 rupees in those days, broke. Going for tweaking. Buying tweaks, doing tweaks can be dangerous, not only for our phone, but for also our work with God. Let's close our eyes for a time of reflection.